0: section twenty six of london labour and the london poor by henry mayhew volume one this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by peter yearsley the street folk part twenty six of the street sellers of eatables and drinkables these dealers were more numerous even when the metropolitan population was but half its present extent i heard several causes assigned for this such as the higher rate of earnings of the labouring people at that time, as well as the smaller number of shopkeepers who deal in such cheap luxuries as penny pies, and the fewer places of cheap amusement, such as the penny gaffs. These places, I was told, run away with the young people's pennies, which were, at one period, expended in the streets. The class engaged in the manufacture, or in the sale, of these articles are a more intelligent people than the generality of street sellers they have nearly all been mechanics who from inability to procure employment at their several crafts from dislike to an irksome and perhaps sedentary confinement or from an overpowering desire to be their own masters have sought a livelihood in the streets the purchase and sale of fish fruit or vegetables require no great training or deftness but to make the dainties in which street people are critical, and to sell them at the lowest possible price, certainly requires some previous discipline to produce the skill to combine and the taste to please. I may here observe that I found it common enough among these street sellers to describe themselves and their fraternity not by their names or callings, but by the article in which they deal. This is sometimes ludicrous enough, "'Is the man you're asking about a pickled whelk, sir?' was said to me. In answer to another inquiry, I was told, "'Oh, yes. I know him. He's a sweet stuff.' Such ellipses or abbreviations are common in all mechanical or commercial callings. Men and women, and most especially boys, purchase their meals day after day in the streets. The coffee-stool supplies a warm breakfast. Shellfish of many kinds tempt to a luncheon hot eels or pea soup flanked by a potato all hot serve for a dinner and cakes and tarts or nuts and oranges with many varieties of pastry confectionery and fruit woo to indulgence in a dessert while for supper there is a sandwich a meat pudding or a trotter the street provisions consist of cooked or prepared victuals, which may be divided into solids pastry confectionery and drinkables the solids however of these three divisions are such as only regular street buyers consider to be sufficing for a substantial meal for it will be seen that the comestibles accounted good for dinner are all of a dainty rather than a solid character men whose lives as i have before stated are alternations of starvation and surfeit love some easily swallowed and comfortable food better than the most approved substantiality of a dinner-table i was told by a man who was once foodless for thirty-eight hours that in looking into the window of a cook-shop he longed far more for a basin of soup than for a cut from the boiled round or the roasted ribs of beef he felt a gnawing rather than a ravenous desire and some tasty semi-liquid was the incessant object of his desires the solids then according to street estimation consist of hot eels pickled whelks oysters sheep's trotters pea soup fried fish ham sandwiches hot green peas kidney puddings boiled meat puddings beef mutton kidney and eel pies and baked potatoes in each of these provisions the street poor find a midday or midnight meal the pastry and confectionery which tempt the street eaters are tarts of rhubarb currant gooseberry cherry apple damson cranberry and so-called mince pies plum duff and plum cake lard currant almond and many other varieties of cakes as well as of tarts gingerbread nuts and heart cakes chelsea buns muffins and crumpets sweet stuff includes the several kinds of rocks sticks lozenges candies and hard bakes the medicinal confectionery of cough drops and whorehound and lastly the more novel and aristocratic luxury of street ices and strawberry cream at a penny a glass in greenwich park the drinkables are tea coffee and cocoa ginger beer lemonade persian sherbet and some highly coloured beverages which have no specific name but are introduced to the public as cooling drinks, hot elder cordial or wine, peppermint water, curds and whey, water, as at Hampstead, rice milk, and milk in the parks. At different periods there have been attempts to introduce more substantial viands into the street provision trade, but all, within these twenty years, have been exceptional and unsuccessful. One man, a few years back, established a portable cookshop in Leather Lane, cutting out portions of the joints to be carried away or eaten on the spot at the buyer's option, but the speculation was a failure. Black puddings used to be sold until a few years back, smoking from cans not unlike potato cans, in such places as the new cut, but the trade in these rather suspicious articles gradually disappeared. Mr. Albert Smith who is an acute observer in all such matters says in a lively article on the street boys of london the curb is his club offering all the advantages of one of those institutions without any subscription or ballot had he a few pence he might dine equally well as at blackwall and with the same variety of delicacies without going twenty yards from the pillars of st clement's churchyard he might begin with a water-souchet of eels Bearing his first course with pickled whelks, cold-fried flounders, or periwinkles. Whitebait, to be sure, he would find a difficulty in procuring, but as the more cunning gourmands do not believe these delicacies to be fish at all, but merely little bits of light pie-crust fried in grease, and as, moreover, the brown bread and butter is, after all, the grand attraction, the boy might soon find a substitute, then would come the potatoes, apparently giving out so much steam that the can which contains them seems in momentary danger of blowing up. Large, hot, mealy fellows that prove how unfounded were the alarms of the bad cropites, and he might next have a course of boiled feet of some animal or other, which he would be certain to find in front of the gin-shop. Cider-cups perhaps he would not get, but there would be ginger-beer from the fountain at one penny per glass, and instead of mulled claret, he could indulge in hot elder cordial, whilst, for dessert, he could calculate upon all the delicacies of the season, from the salads at the corner of which Street to the baked apples at Temple Bar. None of these things would cost more than a penny apiece. Some of them would be under that sum, and since, as at Varys and some other foreign restaurateurs, there is no objection to your dividing the portions The boy might if he felt inclined to give a dinner to a friend get off under sixpence there would be the digestive advantage too of moving leisurely about from one course to another and above all there would be no fee to waiters after alluding to the former glories of some of the street stands more especially of the kidney pudding establishments which displayed rude transparencies one representing the courier of st petersburg riding six horses at once for a kidney pudding mr smith continues but of all these eating stands the chief favourite with the boys is the potato can they collect around it as they would do on change and there talk over local matters or discuss the affairs of the adjacent cab stand in which they are at times joined by the waterman whom they respect more so, perhaps, than the policeman. Certainly more than they do the street-keeper, for him they especially delight to annoy, and they watch any of their fellows eating a potato, with a curiosity and an attention most remarkable, as if no two persons fed in the same manner, and they expected something strange or diverting to happen at every mouthful. A gentleman who has taken an artist's interest in all connected with the streets, and has been familiar with their daily and nightly aspect from the commencement of the present century, considers that the great change is not so much in what has ceased to be sold, but in the introduction of fresh articles into street traffic, such as pineapples and Brazil nuts, rhubarb and cucumbers, ham sandwiches, ginger beer, and so on. The coffee stall, he represents, has but superseded the saloop stall, of which i have previously spoken while the class of street customers who supported the saloop dealer now support the purveyor of coffee the appearance of the two stalls however seen before daybreak with their respective customers on a bleak winter's morning was very different round the saloop stall was a group hardly discernible at a little distance in the dimly lighted streets the prominent figures being of two callings now extinct, the climbing boy and the old hackney coachman. The little sweep would have his saloop smoking hot, and there was the common appliance of a charcoal grate, regaling himself with the savoury steam, until the mess was cool enough for him to swallow, whilst he sought to relieve his naked feet from the numbing effects of the cold by standing now on the right foot and now on the left and swinging the other to and fro, until a change of posture was necessitated. His white teeth, the while, gleamed from his sooty visage as he gleefully licked his lips at the warm and oily breakfast. The old hackney coachman was wrapped up in a many-caped greatcoat, drab when it left the tailor's hand some years before, but then, worn and discoloured and perhaps patched or tattered, its weight alone, however, communicated a sort of warmth to the wearer, his legs were closely and artistically wisped with hay-bands, and as he kept smiting his chest with his arms to keep the cold out while his saloop was cooling, he would in no very gentle terms express his desire to add to its comforting influence the stimulant of a flash of lightning, a go of rum, or a glass of Max, for so a dram of neat spirit was then called the old watchman of that day too almost as heavily coated as the hackney man would sometimes partake of the street saloop, loop loop saloop. the woman of the town in looped and windowed raggedness the outcast of the very lowest class was at the saloop, as she is now and then at the coffee-stall waiting until daylight drove her to her filthy lodging-house but the climbing boy has happily left no successor the hackney man has been succeeded by the jauntier cabman and the taciturn old watchman by the lounging and trim policeman another class of street sellers no longer to be seen were the barrow women they sold fruit of all kinds little else in very clean white barrows and their fruit was excellent and purchased by the wealthier classes they were for the most part irish women and some were remarkable for beauty Their dress was usually a good chintz gown, the skirt being tidily tucked or pinned up behind. In a way, said one informant, now sometimes seen on the stage when correctness of costume is cared for. These women were prosperous in their calling, nor was there any imputation on their chastity, as the mothers were almost always wives. Concerning the bygone street cries, I had also the following account from the personal observation of an able correspondent first among the old musical cries may be cited the diddy doll immortalized by hogarth then comes the last person who with a fine bass voice coaxed his customers to buy sweets with quack 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 browns 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 have you got any mouldy browns there was a man too who sold tripe and so on in this way and to some purpose he was as fine a man as ever stepped and his deep rich voice would ring through a whole street dogs meet cats meet nice tripe neat's feet come by my trotters the last part would not have disgraced la Blache. he discovered a new way of pickling tripe got on made contracts for supplying the navy during the war and acquired a large property one of our most successful artists is his grandson then there was that delight of our childhood the eight o'clock hot spiced gingerbread hot spiced gingerbread buy my spiced gingerbread smoking hot another informant remembered a very popular character among the boys whose daily cry was hot spiced gingerbread nuts 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 if one'll warm you what'll a pound do what'll a pound do gingerbread was formerly in much greater demand than it is now of the street sellers of pea soup and hot eels two of the condiments greatly relished by the chilled labourers and others who regale themselves on street luxuries are pea soup and hot eels of these tradesmen there may be five hundred now in the streets on a saturday as the two trades are frequently carried on by the same party, I shall treat of them together. The greatest number of these stands is in Old Street, St. Luke's, about twenty. In warm weather these street cooks deal only in hot eels and whelks, as the whelk trade is sometimes an accompaniment of the others, for then the soup will not sell. These dealers are stationary, having stalls or stands in the street and the savoury odour from them attracts more hungry-looking gazers and longers than does a cook-shop window. They seldom move about but generally frequent the same place. A celebrated dealer of this class has a stand in Clare Street, Clare Market, opposite a cat's-meat shop. He has been heard to boast that he wouldn't soil his hands at the business if he didn't get his thirty shillings a day and his two pounds ten shillings on a Saturday half this amount is considered to be about the truth this person has mostly all the trade for hot eels in the clare market district there is another hot eel purveyor at the end of windmill street tottenham court road that does a very good trade it is thought that he makes about five shillings a day at the business and about ten shillings on saturday there was before the removals a man who came out about five every afternoon standing in the new cut nearly opposite the victoria theatre his girl always attending to the stall he had two or three lamps with hot eels painted upon them and a handsome stall he was considered to make about seven shillings a day by the sale of eels alone but he dealt in fried fish and pickled whelks as well and often had a pile of fried fish a foot high near the bricklayer's arms at the junction of the old and new kent roads A hot eel man dispenses what a juvenile customer assured me was as spicy as any in London, as if there was gin in it. But the dealer in Clare Market does the largest trade of all in the hot eel line. He is the head man. On one Saturday he was known to sell one hundred pounds of eels, and on most Saturdays he will get rid of his four draughts of eels, a draught being twenty pounds. He and his son are dressed in Jenny Lind hats, bound with blue velvet, and both dispense the provisions, while the daughter attends to wash the cups. "'On a Sunday, anybody,' said my informant, would think him the first nobleman or squire in the land to see him dressed in his white hat with black crepe round it, and his drab palito, and mother of pearl buttons, and black kid gloves, with the fingers too long for him. I may add that even the very poorest, who have only a half penny to spend— As well as those with better means resort to the stylish stalls in preference to the others the eels are all purchased at billingsgate early in the morning the parties themselves or their sons or daughters go to billingsgate and the watermen row them to the dutch eel vessels moored off the market the fare paid to the watermen is one penny for every ten pounds purchased and brought back in the boat the passenger being gratis these dealers generally trade on their own capital But when some have been having a flare-up, and have broke down for stock, to use the words of my informant, they borrow a pound and pay it back, in a week, or a fortnight at the outside, and give two shillings for the loan of it. The money is usually borrowed of the barrow, truck, and basket lenders. The amount of capital required for carrying on the business, of course, depends on the trade done, but even in a small way the utensils cost one pound they consist of one fish kettle and one soup kettle holding upon an average three gallons each besides these five basins and five cups and ten spoons are required also a wash-hand basin to wash the cups basins and spoons in and a board and trestle on which the whole stand in a large way it requires from three pounds to four pounds to fit up a handsome stall for this the party would have two fine kettles holding about four gallons each, and two patent cast-iron fireplaces. Note, the one-pounder outfit only admits of the bottoms of two tin saucepans being used as fireplaces, in which charcoal is always burning to keep the eels and soup hot. The whelks are always eaten cold. Note. The crockery and spoons would be in no way superior. A small dealer requires over and above this sum ten shillings to go to market with and purchase stock and the large dealer about thirty shillings the class of persons belonging to the business have either been bred to it or taken to it through being out of work some have been disabled during their work and have resorted to it to save themselves from the workhouse the price of the hot eels is a half penny for five or seven pieces of fish and three parts of a cupful of liquor The charge for a half-pint of pea-soup is a half-penny, and the whelks are sold according to the size from a half-penny each to three or four for the same sum. These are put out in saucers. The eels are Dutch, and are cleaned and washed and cut in small pieces of from a half to an inch each. Note, the daughter of one of my informants was busily engaged as I derived this information in the cutting of the fish. She worked at a blood-stained board with a pile of pieces on one side and a heap of entrails on the other. End the portions so cut are then boiled, and the liquor is thickened with flour, and flavoured with chopped parsley and mixed spices. It is kept hot in the streets, and served out, as I have stated, in halfpenny cupfuls, with a small quantity of vinegar and pepper. The best purveyors add a little butter. The street boys are extravagant in their use of vinegar. To dress a draught of eels takes three hours, to clean, cut them up, and cook them sufficiently, and the cost is now five shillings and tuppence, much lower in the summer, for the draught, the tuppence being the expense of shoring, eightpence for four pounds of flour, to thicken the liquor, tuppence for the parsley, to flavour it, and one shilling and sixpence for the vinegar, spices, and pepper, about three quarts of vinegar and two ounces of pepper. This quantity, when dressed and seasoned, will fetch in half-pennyworths from fifteen shillings to eighteen shillings. The profit upon this would be from seven shillings to nine shillings and sixpence, but the cost of the charcoal has to be deducted as well as the salt used while cooking. These two items amount to about fivepence. The pea soup consists of split peas, celery, and beef bones. Five pints, at threepence-halfpenny a quart, are used to every three gallons. The bones cost tuppence, carrots a penny, and celery a halfpenny. These cost one shilling and a farthing, and the pepper, salt, and mint, to season it, about tuppence. This, when served in halfpenny basinfuls, will fetch from two shillings and threepence to two shillings and fourpence, leaving one shilling and a penny profit. But from this the expenses of cooking must be taken, so that the clear gain upon three gallons comes to about elevenpence. In a large trade, three kettles, or twelve gallons, of pea soup will be disposed of in the day, and about four draughts, or eighty pounds, of hot eels on every day but Saturday, when the quantity of eels disposed of would be about five draughts, or one hundred pounds weight, and about fifteen gallons of pea soup. Hence the profits of a good business in the hot eel and pea soup line united will be from seven pounds to seven pounds ten shillings per week, or more but there is only one man in london does this amount of business or rather makes this amount of money a small business will do about fifteen pounds of eels in the week including saturday and about twelve gallons of soup sometimes credit is given for a halfpennyworth or a pennyworth at the outside but very little is lost from bad debts boys who are partaking of the articles will occasionally say to the proprietor of the stall Well, master, they are nice. Trust us another ha'peth, and I'll pay you when I comes again. But they are seldom credited, for the stall-keepers know well they would never see them again. Very often the stock cooked is not disposed of, and then it is brought home and eaten by the family. The pea soup will seldom keep a night, but what is left the family generally use for supper. The dealers go out about half-past ten in the morning, and remain out till about ten at night. Monday is the next best day to Saturday. The generality of the customers are boys from twelve to sixteen years of age. Newsboys are very partial to hot eels. Women prefer the pea soup. Some of the boys will have as many as six half-penny cupfuls consecutively on a Saturday night, and some women will have three half-penny basins full of soup. Many persons in the cold weather prefer the hot soup to beer. On wet, raw, chilly days, the soup goes off better than usual, and in fine weather there is a greater demand for the hot eels. One dealer assured me that he once did serve two gentlemen's servants with twenty-eight halfpenny cupfuls of hot eels, one after another. One servant had sixteen, and the other twelve cupfuls, which they ate all at one standing and one of these customers was so partial to hot eels that he used to come twice a day every day for six months after that, and have eight cupfuls each day, four at noon and four in the evening. These two persons were the best customers my informant ever had. Servants, however, are not generally partial to the commodity. Hot eels are not usually taken for dinner, nor is pea soup, but throughout the whole day, and just at the fancy of the passers-by. There are no shops for the sale of these articles. The dealers keep no accounts of what their receipts and expenditure are. The best time of the year for the hot eels is from the middle of June to the end of August. On some days during that time, a person in a small way of business will clear, upon an average, one shilling and sixpence a day, on other days one shilling, on some days during the month of August, as much as two shillings and sixpence a day. Some cry out, Nice hot eels, nice hot eels, or, Warm your hands and fill your bellies for a halfpenny. One man used to give his surplus eels, when he considered his sale completed on a night, to the poor creatures refused admission into a workhouse, lending them his charcoal fire for warmth, which was always returned to him. The poor creatures begged cinders and carried the fire under a railway arch. The general rule, however, is for the dealer to be silent, and merely expose the articles for sale. "'I likes better,' said one man to me, "'to touch up people's noses than their eyes or their ears." There are now in the trade almost more than can get a living at it, and their earnings are less than they were formerly. One party attributed this to the opening of a couple of penny pie shops in his neighbourhood. Before then, he could get two shillings and sixpence a day clear, take one day with another, but since the establishment of the business in the penny pie line, he cannot take above one shilling and sixpence a day, clear. On the day the first of these pie shops opened, it made as much as ten pounds, or half a draught, of eels difference to him. There was a band of music and an illumination at the pie shop, and it was impossible to stand against that. The fashionable dress of the trade is the jenny lind or wide awake hat with a broad black ribbon tied round it and a white apron and sleeves the dealers usually go to hampton court or greenwich on a fine sunday they are partial to the pit of astley's one of them told his waterman at billingsgate the other morning that he and his good lady had been very amused with the ossies at hashley's last night of the experience of a hot eel and pea soup man i was a coal heaver said one of the class to me as i sat in his attic up a close court watching his wife thicken the liquor i was a-going along the plank from one barge to another when the swell of some steamers throwed the plank off the horse and chucked me down and broke my knee agin the side of the barge before that i was yearning upon an average my twenty shillings to thirty shillings a week i was seven months and four days in king's college hospital after this i found they was a doing me no good there so i come out and went over to Bartholomew's hospital i was in there nineteen months altogether and after that i was a month in middlesex hospital and all on em turned me out on curable. you see the bones decayed four bits of bone had been taken from it the doctor turned me out three times cause i wouldn't have it off he asked my wife if she would give consent but neither she nor my daughter would listen to it so i was turned out on em all how my family lived all this time is hard to tell my oldest boy did a little got three and sixpence a week as an errand boy and my daughter was in service and did a little for me but that was all we had to live upon there was six children on my hands and however they did manage i can't say after i came out of the hospital i applied to the parish and was allowed two shillings and sixpence a week and four loaves but i was anxious to do something so a master butcher as i knowed said he would get me a pitch note the right to fix a stall end note if i thought i could sit at a stall and sell a few things i told him i thought i could and would be very thankful for it well i'd heard how the man up in the market was making a fortune at the hot eel and pea soup line note a pavia as left his barrow and two shovels with me told me to-day said the man by way of parenthesis that he knowed for a fact he was clearing six pounds a week regular end note so I thought I'd have a touch at the same thing. But, you see, I never could rise money enough to get sufficient stock to make a do of it, and never shall, I expect. It don't seem like it, however. I ought to have five shillings to go to market with tomorrow, and I ain't got above one and sixpence. And what's that for stock money, I'd like to know? Well, as I was saying, the master butcher lent me ten shillings to start in the line. He was the best friend I ever had but I've never been able to do anything at it, not to say to get a living. "'He can't carry anything now, sir,' said his wife, as the old man strove to get the bellows to warm up the large kettle of pea soup that was on the fire. "'Aye, I, I can't go without my crutch. My daughter goes to Billingsgate for me. I've got nobody else, and she cuts up the eels. If it weren't for her, I must give it up altogether and go into the workhouse outright. I couldn't fetch em I ought to have been out to-night, by rights, till ten, if I'd had anything to have sold. My wife can't do much. She's troubled with the rheumatics in her head and limbs. Yes, yeah, said the old body with a sigh. I'm never well, and never shall be again, I know. Would you accept on a drop of soup, sir? asked the man. You're very welcome, I can assure you. You'll find it very good, sir. I told him I had just dined, and the poor old fellow proceeded with his tale. Last week— i earned clear about eight shillings and that's to keep six on us i didn't pay no rent last week nor yet this and i don't know when i shall again if things go on in this way the week before there was a fast day and i didn't earn above six shillings that week if i did that my boy can't go to school he's got no shoes nor nothing to go in the girls go to the ragged school but we can't send them of a sunday nowhere other people can go said one of the young girls nestling round the fire and with a piece of sacking over her shoulders for a shawl them as has got things to go in but mother don't like to let us go as we are she slips her mother's shoes on when she goes out it would take one pound to start me well with that i could go to market and buy my draught of eels a shilling cheaper and i could afford to cut my pieces a little bigger and people where they gets used well comes again don't you see i could have sold more eels if i'd had em to-day and soup too why there's four hours of about the best time to-night that i'm losing now cause i've nothing to sell the man in the market can give more than we can he gives what is called the lumping ha'peth that is seven or eight pieces ah that i dare say he does indeed some of the boys has told me he gives as many as eight pieces and then the more eels he biles up you see the richer the liquor is and in our little tin pot way it's like biling up a great giant of meat in a ocean of water in course we can't compete agin the man in the market and so we're being ruined entirely the boys very often comes and asks me if i've got a farden's worth of heads the woman at broadway they tells me sells em at four a farden and a drop of liquor but we chucks em away there's nothing to eat on them the boys though will eat anything in the hot eel trade are now a hundred and forty vendors each selling six pounds of eels daily at their stands sixty sell forty pounds daily and one hundred are itinerant selling five pounds nightly at the public-houses the first mentioned take two shillings daily the second sixteen shillings and the third one shilling and eightpence this gives a street expenditure in the trade in hot eels of £21,910 for the year. To start in this business, a capital is required after this rate. Stall, six shillings. Basket, one shilling. Eel kettle, three shillings and sixpence. Jar, sixpence. Ladle, fourpence. Twelve cups, one shilling. Twelve spoons, one shilling. Stew pan, two shillings. Chafing dish, sixpence. Strainer, one shilling. Eight cloths, two shillings and eightpence a pair of sleeves fourpence apron fourpence charcoal two shillings fourpence being an average daily consumption a quarter of a hundredweight of coal threepence halfpenny a half a pound of butter the weekly average fourpence one quartern flour fivepence four ounces pepper fourpence one quart vinegar tenpence one pound salt a halfpenny one pound candles for stall sixpence parsley threepence stock money ten shillings in all one pound fifteen shillings in the course of a year the property which may be described as fixed as in the stall and so on and the expenditure daily occurring as for stock butter coal according to the foregoing statement amounts to fifteen thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds the eels purchased for this trade at billingsgate are one million one hundred and sixty six thousand eight hundred and eighty pounds costing at threepence per pound fourteen thousand five hundred and eighty six pounds in the pea soup trade there are now one-half of the whole number of the hot eel vendors of whom one hundred will sell each four gallons daily and of the remaining fifty vendors each will sell upon an average ten gallons daily the first mentioned take three shillings daily and the last seven shillings and sixpence this gives a street expenditure of four thousand and fifty pounds during the winter season of five months to commence business in the street sale of pea soup a capital is required after this rate soup kettle four shillings peas two shillings soup ladle sixpence pepper box one penny mint box threepence chafing dish sixpence twelve basins, one shilling, twelve spoons, one shilling, bones, celery, mint, carrots, and onions, one shilling and sixpence, in all, ten shillings, ten pence. The hot eel trade being in conjunction with the pea soup, the same stall, candles, towel, sleeves, and aprons does for both, and the quantity of extra coal and charcoal, pepper, and salt given in the summary of hot eels serves in cooking and so on. Both eels and pea soup. End of section twenty six.